Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. Have another special guest for you today, Sean Gibbs, the Royals' Southeast cross-checker. He was the signing scout for Richard Lovelady, a left-handed reliever for the Royals who made his debut earlier this month. Lovelady had a pretty meteoric rise as a 10th-round pick out of Kennesaw State who signed for just $100,000, worked his way quickly through the minors, became one of the Royals' top prospects. He was in the prospect handbook each of the last two seasons and now has made his major league debut and is pitching out of the Royals' bullpen. Sean was an area scout for some time in the Southeast. He was promoted to cross-checker, and now he uh, is kind enough to join us on the phone from his home in Destin, Florida. Sean, first and foremost, when Richard Lovelady got the call to the big leagues as his signing scout, just what were your thoughts and reactions? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, that's what we do all this for. We go out, we see all these guys, and especially when it's a later guy, I mean, he's a 10th rounder. Not that it means more, but in some ways it does because these guys beat the odds. I mean, it's hard enough for a first rounder to make a low loan a 10th rounder. So it's, it's joy. It's, it's almost like a father-son deal. You know, you see the kids' dreams come true to play in the major leagues. It's just uh, it's hard to put words on it, really. Richard being a later round guy, 10th round pick, signed for $100,000 in 2016. I want to go back to that at Kennesaw State. When was the first time you saw Richard Lovelady, and when did he kind of pique your interest? So it shows how hard this job is and how many times I missed. I saw him in junior college first, and he was a, you know, a mid-80s lefty, sidearmish, uh, kind of a low three-quarter slot, but really more mid-80s. The breaking ball was inconsistent. Um, so I, I saw him then, he went to Kennesaw, I saw him in the fall, going into or his junior year, same thing, little more strikes, but still more mid-80s. Um, and then, come spring of his junior year, go back and see him early, and still more mid-80s, um, breaking ball inconsistent, but I like him. I, I do think left-handers and lower slot guys come on a little later. If you look at the history of the draft and baseball, and really what helped us was the guys at Kennesaw, they do a great job. Mike Sansing, the manager, and Kevin Arminio, the pitching coach. And I kept telling Kevin, hey, this guy jumps. Just give me a phone call. Because I had a big area. Then I was the area scout, obviously. And I had Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and the Panhandle. So I was a little more spread out. So at that time, I lived closer to Kennesaw. And... Um, Kevin liked him a lot, too, and Kevin called me one day and said, hey, Sean, I think he turned the corner. We're getting upper 80s, breaking balls tightened up. He's throwing more strikes. He, he did have a pretty good walk numbers early in the year. So, again, so this is why it's such a team effort. So our scouting director, Lonnie Goldberg, is going in to watch a hitter at Stetson. I said, hey, Lonnie, do me a favor. When you, you know, I know you're probably going to sit down on the line and watch this hitter. If Lovelady, this kid named Lovelady, comes in, 
well, just sneak behind there and see what you got. I don't know how many people are on him. I'm sure there's a few teams. But sure enough, he comes in, he goes back there. He's like 89 to 91, maybe touching it too, but tough angle, breaking ball, tightened up. He's like, I like him. So I go back, see him again. Again, it takes me a couple times to get him because he's a reliever, obviously. And uh, looks, he's getting better. And then our assistant scouting director, Danny Oliveros, goes in to see a few guys in the conference tournament, which was in Lipscomb. Um, you know, most of us are in Hoover, the ACC tournament, but he was there, and he really popped there, touching threes and fours. Um, still pitching more 992, but it kind of came together. But it's still a little more dumb luck in some ways because we liked him. We had him a good place on the board, but, uh, you know, Lonnie was picking someone else from the 10th round, and, and I don't remember the name, but – and the agent called back, started kind of messing with the money. He goes, never mind. And he goes, Sean, can you sign him for 100000 I said, absolutely. Now, I didn't really know that I could, but I wanted the player, so I told him, yeah, and, uh, you know, I called – I called Richard, and he was all for it. And uh, I said, look, man, we can get you off the board tonight in the top ten rounds. And he was fired up, excited, and in agreement and took him to the tenth round. So kind of a synopsis of how it all went down. It's funny you mentioned that there was someone else you guys had in mind, and then some things happened last minute. And uh, I feel like a lot of times from the outside, there's this expectation the draft is this organized, things go the way things are lined up on the board, and a lot of times it, it is kind of fly by the seat of your pants adjusting to last-minute situations on the ground. Right, because we had the other guy above Richard on the, on the board. Um, and, but the other part of it is the money part of it, right? Obviously, you know, the way the draft's set up, that the money isn't always set. So if you spend more money up top, you've got to save a little money down at the bottom. Now, we liked Richard a lot, um, but we had somebody else above him, and that guy kind of went off the 100000 because that's what Lonnie had to spend. So we went to the next guy who was loved, and it worked out for us. Absolutely. You mentioned Richard Lovelady's velocity jump. We do see times, you mentioned low slot lefties in your experience can come on a little bit later. Even that said, though, going from mid-'80s to touching threes, fours, looking back at the B.A. draft report, seems like we had someone even see him touch 95 at the end of the year. I mean, an 8 to 10 mile an hour velocity jump from the fall to the spring. I mean, how rare is that to see? Well, I, think it's, I, I mean, I think it's definitely rare, but I do think the two things you'll see it in if you go look, left-handers, you'll see left-handers get to the big leagues and they were drafted and they were, you know, upper 80s and also by the end of the mid-90s. Um, Side art was the same way, so I think that I think that kind of combo came together for those two things—a lower guy, slide guy, and a lefty. But some of it is still rare. Like the player development did a great job, got him a little more directional. I think he held the velocity. And a lot of credit goes to him for doing the things he did to keep getting better and better and better. Absolutely, makeup's a big part of it. You mentioned having the money at the at back of the 10th round and having $100,000 to spend on that pick. What was interesting about this 2016 draft for you guys with the Royals is you did not have a first-round pick this year. You guys didn't pick until 67th overall. That was your first pick. And looking through here, you guys had some good pickups in those mid to late rounds. 
Khalil Lee, third rounder, now one of your top prospects. Nikki Lopez out of Creighton, fifth round, one of your top prospects. Love Lady in the 10th, getting up to the majors. David McKay in the 14th has made the majors now, pitching for the Mariners. When you guys don't have that first round pick or that first, that comp first, that high second round pick, does it allow you guys to dig deeper in the weeds on these later round guys and find more gems like this? There's no question, and, and that's probably part of it, especially of Pablani did a great job that year of getting down to the, what the area scouts guys like and saying, okay, these guys aren't in play. There are plenty of guys we love up high, but we just realized they're not getting to where our next pick is or the odds were very low, so we limited the looks up top, and Lonnie and Danny did a great job with that. So that allowed them, perfect example, seeing love. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a weekend where he probably has been somewhere else, but he could sit on a hitter that, you know, might go in the fourth round or the fifth round easier than last year when we had five picks up high. You're running around to see those guys up top. So it definitely allows you to go down deeper on the area scouts list from the upper part. And, again, Dayton's deal is what there's big leaguers from 1 through 40 or 1 through 41 if you've got a comp pick or whatever the case may be. we got to use every pick as a small market club to find value in every single pick in the player we love. We shouldn't be just taking players just to take them, the scout, the cross-checkers, whoever. Somebody should love that player. And I think that was the case with that. Like, with Lee and those guys, people love those players, even though they weren't first-rounders. Absolutely. And obviously, Richard Lovelady had shown you all the progression you wanted to see. But the jump from college baseball to pro baseball is, is obviously huge. And he moved pretty quickly. Again, 2016 draft, was in AAA by 2018, made his major league debut 2019. What steps have you seen from him after getting into pro ball? Well, I, I think two things. One, a lot of it's on his makeup. He doesn't vibrate much. He's pretty cool, calm, out there. Um, not, a lot of, not a lot of rattles. So I think the makeup clicked for him when the stuff clicked. I think player development did a great job of getting him a little more online a little more behind the stuff, finishing the slaughter a little more. And that combination all came together, and he shot through. And the biggest thing is he went from not always throwing strikes, especially early in his college career, to knowing he had good stuff and attacking the zone more. So, again, I think a lot of it's his makeup. I think player development took something we saw at scouts that we liked, that every manager likes a tough slot guy, especially from the left side and put that all together, and then the player himself did the rest. You talk about that makeup. How much of that assessment comes from watching him on the mound, his demeanor uh, in game action, versus talking to him after games in the home and kind of outside the baseball setting? Sure, everything's a little different. I, I, I'm a little more, especially on college kids, what I see on the field, um, and then talking to the staff. And, and, and again, done this a long time. So I had a pretty good relationship or a good relationship with the Kansas State guys. So you, those guys are around them every day. So you, if you get an honest assessment from them, they're going to give you as much as anybody. But then watching them on the field. Because the one thing you have to watch out about after the game or in the home, and the high school kids are a little different, you got to make sure you're not getting personality with competitiveness, with makeup. Because you know, some guys have a different personality, but they're really bulldogs on the mound. You might not like the personality but you like the player. So for me, it's more what they do on the field and then talking to the coach, especially in college, because they know what 
what a good leader is, what good makeup is, what they're seeing day in and day out. And from that side, you know, Kennesaw has always done a good job with their guys, but they couldn't say enough great things about Richard. And they weren't trying to get him back. They just were honest. And so and when you watched him on the field, you saw a guy that just didn't get rattled a lot with traffic or without it. So you saw the stuff jump. You got great makeup reports. You were in on this guy. Then he goes out and posts a 1.99 ERA in his minor league career. Even knowing all you did about him, did his level of success and how quickly it came even surprise you a little bit? Oh, my gosh, yes. If you go by my report, which is who I really like the player, I was light probably on how well the player did. Um, so he absolutely, I, I tell him all the time, I thank him all the time for making me look smart because uh, <laughs> he, he definitely did more than I thought he would that quick for sure. Now, did I think he could get to what he is now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But to do it that quick and that polish and strike throwing, again, uh, he, he, he did a great job and made us look good taking him where we did. And it's, again, it's always a team effort. It starts with the scouts, but it goes to player development. It goes to the process our general manager has of every player we, we believe in and we've got to get them to whatever their natural ceiling is we got to allow that to happen. Yeah, you mentioned it's, it's a total team effort. It requires, you said you saw him, uh, your assistant scouting director saw him, your scouting director saw him, player development. It, it kind of takes a village to make a big leaguer. It's not uh, as simple as one or two guys doing all the work. Given that, you mentioned earlier how great it felt seeing him reach the big leagues, but just how rewarding is it, not just for you individually, but for the whole organization when you have a homegrown guy and a later guy become what he's become? Well, I think it's it, it, it re it reinvigorates you because again it is it is a failure oriented sport and it's and we're going to be wrong more than we're right and good scouts dream on players and more times than not for whatever reason they don't succeed um, and because it's a it's a modern miracle as Baden says to get to the major league so when a guy like that does everybody had a hand in it it gets you more excited for the next player. Um, and as a small market club, we have to be home. We have to have homegrown players. We have to bring them up through the farm system and player development and through scouting. That's the way we will succeed. It was the way we succeeded before. So it just gives everybody a boost on the ground in the minor leagues that, hey, we're doing the right thing. We just got to keep doing it. We just got to keep hammering the nail and finding the richer love ladies because they're out there. And the draft tells us. Yes, the best players typically do come from the top few rounds, but there are major leaguers and good major leaguers after the fourth and fifth round that if you find, you can change your organization. Absolutely. Well, uh, you certainly found one in Richard Lovelady, and uh, congratulations to you, and uh, best of luck on the scouting trail. We look forward to seeing what uh, further gems you turn up down the road. Thank you very much. I love, I love what you guys do, so I'm, I'm a big fan. Thank you so much. That was Sean Gibbs with the Kansas City Royals, their Southeast cross-checker, and uh, he was the area scout again who signed Richard Lovelady. He also signed Alec Mills, who is now a big leaguer, so definitely uh, some track record of signing pitchers who become big leaguers. We look forward to seeing Sean's further work, and uh, it's always good for us here at Baseball America to talk to scouts and kind of let them tell the stories about the players they find. A lot of times that's uh, the most interesting stuff and it's always cool to see where these guys came from, how they came up, what steps they made. And Richard Lovelady is another great example of a guy who 
blossomed a little bit later, junior college guy, was throwing mid-80s in the fall of his junior year of college, and fast forward a few years, and he's in the big leagues and, and one of the better prospects in the Royal system, and uh, we look forward to seeing how the rest of his career plays out. Thank you again for listening to this edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. You can also reach me at Kyle A. Glazer on Twitter. That's at Kyle A. Glazer. For Sean Gibbs, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm